Friend, as some of you already know, this program is financially supported 100% by love gifts from listeners like yourself. So please, would you help us with a donation so that we can produce more programs and bless others? We need your financial support. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular email, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tiny Ministries, P.O. Box 1806, Loma Linda, California, 92354. You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address. Info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries is a federal government-approved 501c corporation, which means that all of your donations are 100% tax-deductible, as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. Okay, we come to the last chapter of the book of Leviticus, chapter 27. The last chapter in the book of Leviticus, where we are down to the very last few verses in this book. I am trusting that you've learned a lot. I have really enjoyed this. So let's take a look at this last chapter, what the Lord is going to teach us here. So what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, the Lord is going to give the Israelites instructions about redeeming property, land, homes uh, for himself. And he will give them specific instructions how things have to be redeemed. I mean, just a little background here. Uh, we will learn the instructions about dedicating something to the Lord. If you recall, the Israelites were required to offer dedication, which means to set something apart exclusively to be used by the Lord. Uh, they were uh, required to uh, dedicate things such as a first fruit of the harvest, their firstborn son, the firstborn animals, and other people dedicated themselves, family members, property, and land. So the whole gist of this chapter is the Lord is like, okay, you guys at times have, a, have an open heart and you want to dedicate things to me, but I will give you instructions <laughs> how this process of dedication has to take place. Uh, 
which is still applicable to us today because God is consistent. God is stable. God is predictable. I know some people are shocked to hear this. Of course, God is predictable. You know, I was just having this discussion with um, my office assistant yesterday. I was telling her that I'm just really, I am, I was telling her, how I am in an awesome place in my relationship with the Lord, that I am walking by faith, I am not uh, practicing sin, uh, any sin, and I am living a holy life the best I know how to. I am fellowshipping with the Lord constantly. I am in constant fellowship with the Lord. I love the Lord. And because I'm doing all these godly things, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my life is automatically preordained, the Holy Spirit is going before me to open doors that all the encounters that I experience uh, have a divine purpose. The people I meet are divinely uh, assigned by God uh, uh, to be there. And I was just telling how all of this, I said, because God is predictable. Because the Bible tells us so. If you walk in holiness, if you walk in forgiveness, in love, you fellowship with the Lord, your life is preordained. Your life, your steps are ordained. So there are no accidents in my life. I was telling her that. Likewise, if you are, are walking with the Lord closely, th th there are no accidents in the life of a believer. Okay? Our steps are ordained. This is, this is uh, uh, what, what I, I mean by that God is predictable. Okay? So... Um, Going back here with regards to the dedication, God had to train them <laughs> how to do this and, and what to expect. So they know beforehand what uh, would happen if it's done correctly and if it's done incorrectly. Because some people make quick, thoughtless, and irrational dedication to the Lord and the Lord imposed penalties for people who dedicate something quickly and then they want to turn around and redeem it. The Lord said, well, there are penalty or penalties to doing that. And the, and the penalties are not meant to, to punish them, but they are meant to teach them the principle of maintaining order and consistency. Because God is consistent. God is orderly. All right. And so let's take a look at a few uh, this is here. We begin right away with uh, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, verse 2, speak to the Israelites and said to them, if anyone makes a special vow to dedicate a person to the Lord by giving the equivalent value, set the value of a male between the ages of 20 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver, according to the sanctuary shekel. Uh, the Lord went on to explain uh, they, they, they set value for each type of dedication. In verse 4, it talks about the female uh, dedication. You can read that. And in verse 6, uh, he talked about uh, for a person between one month and five years uh, old, the uh, dedication principle there or the dedication amount there is stated there in verse 7 for a person 60 years or old the lord gave instructions for that and in verse 8 if anyone making the vow is too poor to pay the 
specified amount, the person being dedicated is to be presented to the priest who will set the value according to what the one making the vow can afford. Again, we see the Lord uh, explaining that the poor still have to make a dedication, but the priest has to decide as far as what they can afford. You know, this a lot of times we take these things really lightly when we dedicate something to the Lord. This principle is still very applicable today. As an example, many people, when their child is at a certain age, six months old, sometimes three months old, sometimes one month old, and sometimes one year old, our parents would take their child to the church to be dedicated. This is serious. When you do that, what you are saying is that you are surrendering this child to the Lord and you are trusting that the Lord would use this child for his special purposes. That is really what this is, is saying. When you dedicate something to the Lord, you just, it's hands off. Okay, you consecrate that child to the Lord. You said, God, I trust you with this child's life. I trust you that you will guide and direct their steps through through uh, childhood, through adolescence, through through their entire lives. You will use them as you as you please. And then as the parent, hands off. Because what we see happening is that a parent will dedicate a child to the Lord, say at six months old or even at 12 months old. Then as that child becomes 12, 13, 14, the parent then want to impose their ideas or the parent then want to impose their, their, um, their likes onto the child. As an example, the parent may tell the child, you know, I think you should go be a doctor. You are too smart. Don't be a nurse. Mm -hmm. Or I, I have heard of other parents uh, <laughs> telling the child who has expressed interest to be a minister or a priest or to be a pastor, I have heard other parents say, oh, no, no, don't go into ministry. There's no money there. That is sad because if you dedicate a child to the Lord, you have to say hands off. And if the Lord is calling that child into ministry, let that child obey the calling in his or her life and you trust God with that calling because you dedicated that child to the Lord in the first place. So we are not to take dedication lightly. This is serious. So much so that the Lord gave strict instructions how this dedication has to be carried out so people should think twice before they dedicate something to the Lord. And as we will learn here, the Lord would, would, would impose penalties like I had mentioned earlier, for people who change their minds. All right. So we are now to verse 9. If what they vow is an animal that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, such an animal giving to the Lord becomes holy. Again, highlighting that whatever we dedicate to the Lord becomes holy, sacred, consecrated to be used by the Lord however he sees fitting. Okay, so all of those verses are explained more about animals, clean and unclean for dedication. We can read all of, all of those. And here, look at verse um, 13. If the owner wishes to redeem the animal, a fifth must be added 
to his value. That is a punishment if you want to change your mind. Uh, verse 14, uh, all the way to verse, let's see, verse 15, we talk about dedicating a house. If anyone dedicates their house as something holy to the Lord, the priest will judge its quality as good or bad. And, and the value of that house will be set by the priest. Again, this happens uh, even today. People uh, dedicate property, land to a church or to uh, a similar Christian organization or ministry. And people do this today through wills, uh, through trust. We see this principle still applicable today. People donate land to the church all the time. And then and they trust God to speak to the hearts of the leadership of the church to use the land however they are led by the Lord uh, to um, bless the Lord. So this still happens today. So don't think that these uh, principles of dedication are not relevant. They are still very relevant because when we, when we dedicate a land or a property, we, we give our land to the Lord, we give our homes uh, to the Lord. I've heard stories how people have actually bought homes and then dedicate that to the Lord and they've been led to, to bless a family with that. That is acceptable. Uh, the, the, the principle here is that we have to think about it. We have to be consistent. We cannot dedicate something to the Lord and then take it back. No. Uh, like Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5, 17, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So these principles are teaching us to be consistent and to think carefully when we dedicate something to the Lord because um, we do not want to be double-minded. We have to make up our minds and dedicate something to the Lord and then rest, have the peace of God to rest that we have made the right decision because that will be Christ-like. Okay, let's uh, come to verses uh, 16 talks about dedicating a land because some people may want to dedicate their family land. We already talked about that. Verse 17 uh, all the way to verse 21 goes on to talk about um, dedicating a field which could be a vineyard uh, to the Lord for uh, purposes of the Lord. You can read those uh, on your own. You know, some of you may be thinking, well, why would I dedicate a field to the Lord? Like I had been explaining. Imagine a farmer, okay, today, who has a vineyard, let's say, uh, apples. Farmers are very rich people, you know. Depending on the amount of acres, I, I don't know. But let's say this farmer decides to dedicate a certain amount of his vineyard to a local church. That is dedicating something to the Lord. Do you know that if that vineyard, say, produces oranges, during harvest time, oranges can be sold and that money put back into the church to foster God's work? That is how this thing works. So, yes, we can still dedicate property, 
uh, farmlands to the Lord and its harvest uh, can be can be sold and the funds can be put right back into the church. We can use the funding to support missionaries, to support orphans, to support the poor. That is such a, an awesome way to foster the kingdom of God and to truly be Christ-like to help the underprivileged. Okay? All right. So let's come down to um, verse 22. Actually, verses 22 all the way to 25. He's still talking about dedicating a family land, how the priest is to inspect that for its appropriate value, and he gave instructions how that land is to be treated in the year of Jubilee. You can read those uh, verses on your own. We come to verse 26. No one, however, may dedicate the firstborn of an animal since the firstborn already belongs to the Lord. So the Lord had already given them the commandments like we had gone over in the book of Exodus that the firstborn belongs to him. So there was no need to dedicate that again. Then we come to uh, look at verse 28. But nothing that a person owns and devotes to the Lord, whether a human being or an animal or family land, may be sold or redeemed. Everything so devoted is most holy to the Lord. So the Lord is saying that, bottom line, whatever you dedicate is considered holy and sacred. You cannot come back and take it. It's considered uh, holy. Like I said earlier, this um, if you come back to want it, want it back, there's a punishment. And this uh, penalty was to avoid tricks, trickery. People who want to quickly uh, dedicate or donate something to the Lord and then turn around and change their minds. Uh, you know what? I suppose uh, ded dedicate, you could say donate. Okay, but with the right intention. And keep in mind that this also was supposed to help the Israelites to, to mold and shape them how to give back to the Lord with the right attitude. It was supposed to enable them to truly consider why they are giving because we already know the Lord tells us through our scriptures and uh, we know this out of Second Corinthians chapter 9, that uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The inward attitude of giving is most significant to the Lord. And then our outward uh, expression of actually giving it, we give it by faith. So God was training these people to truly give with the right attitude. Think before you give. Give wholeheartedly. Give by faith. And... Uh, and, and rest and trust that God will bless you back abundantly. Uh, verse 29 is interesting. No person devoted to destruction may be, may be ransomed. They are not, they are to be put to death. What this is referring is to like when you uh, devote or, or dedicate uh, something that had been condemned by the Lord, such as um, used for idolatry, uh, such as idol worship, things such as that are not acceptable. Um, that's what that is saying there. Look at verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their 
five must add a fifth <laughs> of the value to it. Again, penalties. Every third of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. Verse 33, no one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. Again, verse 33 here, preventing trickery. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and his substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. Again, we've talked about that principle. So if you go back to verse 30, the principle of tithing here. So we are learning that tithing is not necessarily money. Okay. At least based on these verses, these people could tithe crops. Okay. Uh, fruits. Uh, uh, products or uh, uh, produce from their vineyards that could also be a tithing and that is also still applicable today a lot of times people think that tithing has to do only with 10% money that is good that is important but tithing can also be crops fruits your service you can tithe all of that to the Lord again the principle here is truly giving freely uh, genuinely from the heart and these laws uh, were given to the Israelites to abide to strictly because you have to remember that the uh, nation of Israel was a theocracy okay meaning these uh, laws given to Moses to give to the Israelites in addition to the civic aspects of the laws were combined so there was no separation uh, between religious laws and, and laws that govern the land. They were all one law. So the tidings and the sacrifices and the offerings and all these dedications that these people would give to the Lord would be put into the sanctuary, would be considered wealth that was supposed to enable the nation of Israel to run smoothly, to support the government financially, and as such eliminate poverty, and as such, have access to care for the poor. So that is why all of these laws had to be put in place so that the, the, the nation had enough uh, finances to sustain itself. And today, we don't have a theocracy. There is separation between government and religion. But the principle is still applicable. Like I have been saying, when you dedicate something to the Lord, you cannot change your mind and want to take it back. You have to think about it, ponder about it, and be led by the Lord to dedicate something before you do that. Because if you dedicate something quickly, you turn around and you change your mind, that is no faith at all. God is not pleased with that. And of course, a double-minded person will receive nothing from the Lord. So you want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. You want to think before you make a commitment to your church or to any ministry. All right? Today, we there are people who, who want to become partners with ministries, such as my ministry. By becoming partner, I mean that they, they, they decide on their own accord hopefully as led by the Lord, to make a commitment to my ministry or to another ministry to become a partner, meaning that every month 
they give a certain amount of money to that ministry so that that ministry can advance the kingdom of God. If you are led by the Lord to make such a, a dedication and commitment, you have to stick by it. But unfortunately, there are people who make a, a, a dedication to the Lord, a commitment to the Lord to give set amount of money to a ministry. And then when they run into hardship, guess what? They don't give. That is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, when you make a financial commitment to a ministry or to a church, do not be alarmed when suddenly you start to experience some financial hardship. That could be a test, okay? That could be a test of that commitment because, because God, God may allow that to see how you would behave. Are you going to, to back out of your commitment because you didn't get a paycheck on time or because you run into financial hardship? Well, if you run into financial hardship, you still have to keep your commitment to the Lord. If you tell a ministry that I will give you 50 bucks, whether things become tough for you, you give the 50 bucks and trust God to bring abundance. In fact, when you stick to that commitment and you are faithful to that commitment, God sees that. And he will bless you abundantly, exceedingly, even when you're going through that hardship because you are faithful. So we see how God was training these people about being consistent in their giving. And he is still training us today. We should give freely to the Lord at all times. Not when we have. We give even when we don't have. Because it's a matter of faith. It's a faith issue and trusting God as your provider. Okay, so we cannot just stop giving. We cannot, we cannot take back our, our commitment to the Lord because we're going through a hard time. Don't do that because if you do that, you won't see God's provisions come back to you. But if you stick through it and trust God, God will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. And your faith will be quickened, you will be strengthened, and you will come to the firm realization that God is truly my provider. You can never outgive God. Whatever you dedicate to the Lord will come right back to you above and beyond. So trust God with your finances. Trust God with whatever you dedicate to him. Because at the end of the day, we are only good stewards of everything we own. Everything belongs to the Lord. So by giving it back to him, you are just saying that I, I acknowledge you, God. You are my sole and primary provider. I trust you with this. I am just managing what you have blessed me with and I'm giving it back to you. And God would, would bless you back abundantly, exceedingly until it overflows. That is the word of God and it is true. Okay, so let us now go over the major principles we have learned uh, from Chapters 25 through 27. Principle number one, God's holiness. Okay, we have learned this throughout these chapters. Uh, God revealed to us about his holiness uh, as we, we learned from the instructions he gave uh, to the priest and his descendants, which, like I said earlier, nobody kept them except Christ Jesus. And I talked about how... Uh, all of those instructions were so perfect <laughs> and all of those were a foreshadow uh, to 
Christ Jesus who was to come to fulfill these laws perfectly. Major principle number two, the importance of memory. Okay, we talked about how God divinely appointed certain festivals for the nation of Israel to celebrate. Principle number three, consequences for obedience and disobedience. We talked about that. Principle number four, wholehearted commitment to the Lord. We talked about that. Wholehearted dedication, making a vow to the Lord and being consistent in whatever we give to the Lord because God is consistent, God is predictable. So what are the major applications which I had already discussed, but let's just go over some of this briefly. Practical holiness, all right? God is perfectly holy. No one can approach God on his or her own merit. Even as New Testament believers, we can only access the throne of, of God by grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? And, and we have to live holy lives because we serve a God who is holy. And 1 John 3, 3 teaches us that all who have this hope in him, referring to Jesus Christ now, purify themselves just as he is pure. In essence, that scripture is teaching that everyone, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, each of us has a desire to live holy lives because Jesus is pure. So even though in the Old Testament, God's holiness was reflected through the laws, which no one kept, only Jesus came and fulfilled them. In today, as New Testament believers, holiness is still required uh, by God from us. We are still required to maintain holy lives and to, and to practice holiness because our hope is in Christ. We have to uh, refrain from sin, uh, practice. We have to stop uh, practice of idolatry. We have to refrain from all sorts of uh, sexual sin, sin against God. Others sin against ourselves. We have to maintain holiness in our conduct, in our minds, and in our relationship with others. God still expects us to express holiness today. And the beauty is that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is there to, to strengthen us and to teach us and to warn us when we are uh, venturing outside of holiness so we can repent and come right back. So holiness is still the expectation of the child of God because we serve a God who is holy. Okay, moving on here with application. We talked about obedience, okay? If you walk in obedience, the blessings of God will chase you. We talked about how disobedience will will prevent God's presence in your life and it will open the door for your enemy, Satan, to come into your life to kill, steal, destroy, and devour you and God will allow it because you disobey him. Okay? I don't need to, to uh, insist on this because I, I, I think I spent enough time discussing uh, the, the importance of working in obedience and, and being... Uh, honest with yourself to evaluate why why there is suffering in your life 
So, so you want to do your best to walk in obedience. That way you prevent an inroad of Satan into your life. That is the only way to do that. Because if you're walk, walking in obedience, you are doing your best, you're, you're obeying the Holy Spirit, you are not practicing sin, you really limit the presence of the enemy in your life and then you just enjoy the presence of God, his blessings, his peace, his divine protection. All right? And I talked about the fact that God will never, never, please listen to this, God will never bless disobedience. So if you are living in sin as a Christian, I'm talking about living in sin. Today we have so many people who call themselves Christians and they are practicing and living in sin, such as they are not married, but they are having sex. They are living in the same house with their boyfriends. They have unforgiveness. They have bitterness. They lie. They cheat. They are manipulative. If you're, if you're practicing those things, you are walking in disobedience and you are proud and you are hostile towards God. And God will not bless you. Period. I'm sorry. Jesus might have saved you, redeemed you, freed you, but you are still in bondage because you put yourself in bondage. And if you are seeing some kind of physical success in your life, it's not from God. It's, it's a lie from the enemy to keep you in bondage. Okay? God will not bless disobedience. God will not honor disobedience. If you are in disobedience, he will turn his back against you. God cannot fellowship with you if you are in obvious disobedience and sin. So what is the solution? It's simple. Honestly repent. Stop practicing sin. And be restored back into relationship with God through Christ. All right? So, and if, if you allow Satan to deceive you that your life is okay right now, that you have peace even though you are in disobedience, that is just a lie and that is a way Satan wants to keep you in bondage. Don't allow him to steal from you. Don't allow Satan to deceive you. Today, I am here to tell you that Jesus has set you free. You have liberty. Remember we talked about the year of Jubilee? You have been set free to enjoy that blessed life that Jesus died for you to enjoy. Do not let Satan steal from you no more. In Jesus' name, I hope you receive that. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all of the lessons we have learned from this phenomenal book of Leviticus. We thank you that you're such an awesome God. We thank you that your principles are still extremely applicable and relevant to us today. These principles are immutable. They are unchangeable because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father God, we acknowledge our weakness as fallen human beings. We ask you to strengthen us through your Holy Spirit, to teach us moment by moment how to live in accordance with your laws, which are now written in our hearts. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Teach us, help us not to fall into sin, help us not to fall into temptation. Teach us to keep our eyes focused on you, Jesus Christ. We want to obey you because we know that disobedience brings pain and suffering. 
We know that disobedience opens the door for the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we come against that. We ask you to help us, Lord, to walk in obedience. We believe that you will answer this prayer by faith and your blessings and your abundance will chase us moment by moment. We thank you. You are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, I trust God that you have been really blessed today by today's teaching, right? Praise God. So if the Lord has been speaking to you about blessing us back with a financial donation, would you please consider taking a step of faith to do so? We really want these teachings to reach hundreds more people. We want to get it into various other platforms and take it to the radio. But all these cost money. Even though you are getting these teachings for free, it costs a lot of money to pay studio time to produce this. So would you please, by faith, consider blessing us with a one-time donation or becoming a partner to this ministry? Whatever amount the Lord puts in your heart, we will accept that. And I want to thank all of you in advance for your love gift donation. And again, you can visit our website, drruthtiny.org slash donate and make a safe and secure donation right there. And while on the website, just check us out. Visit the bookstore and uh, check out some of my other Bible teachings. And, and as you are able to get some, when you get my Bible teachings, my books, it comes to us as well as a donation. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for obeying God and blessing us back financially so that we can reach out to more people with these uh, Bible teachings. Glory to God. Thank you.